Hey, all you podcast listeners everywhere. Uh, this is the Create Initiative Podcast, where we connect, learn, and grow, and talk about all sorts of random fun things. I'm Chris, one of your silent hosts, and uh, silent. with with me I have the one and only. I have Kyla Clapp. Hey. And also the one and only Jason Evans. And don't forget our digital guest. And our digital guest, Kyle Lee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, man. We've, you know, I feel like our podcast has gone in a really good direction. But, uh, you know, nothing better than going loosey goosey on a Friday during this recording. Podcast so. development. No. Yeah. I forgot it's Friday. Yeah. As of this recording, yeah, it's been quite a week in Oklahoma. Um, you know, a rare October ice, ice storm uh, has left many without power, including uh, half of our podcast crew. Um, how are you guys without power getting along? We're struggling. We're adults. struggling. <laughs> no. We're really not okay. Yeah, this is like for, for, for you guys, Chris and Kyler, this is kind of like your first foray into being an adult and having to like Survive. deal with this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. 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 That's okay. I mean, it happens to everybody. I mean, yeah. I want I want my mom to be here to hold my hand, but I'm like, stop <laughs> it! You're 23. <laughs> Get it together. Don't cry. <laughs> it's just the electricity. It's just the electricity. What do you say this morning if the Russian spies? <laughs> well, I was thinking I had to like we have this little lantern, and whatever I'm doing through the house, I have to carry this lantern everywhere because it's pitch black, and I was I was carrying it somewhere, and I thought, you know, if a Russian spy in a safe house somewhere in Europe can do it. So can I. So can you. That's true. <laughs> I doubt that. They go through rigorous training. Well, maybe this is my training. Maybe this is what okay. the government wants. Maybe you're on the verge of becoming a Russian spy. A whole generation uh, I'm of being, spies. <laughs> I've got persecution too, guys. I haven't been able to find my razor oh, no. now for all week. Look at this beard. Persecution. Yeah, no, Kyle, um, you've, you've had a, a separate hardship beyond having no power for, for like three days. It's finally restored at your house, but you also moved this week, right? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Sorry, my phone fell off my iPhone stand slash vacuum. Um, <laughs> yes, we were supposed to move Monday, and then we were supposed to move Tuesday, and then we, I don't even remember what day we actually did move, but it wasn't Monday. And then when we did move, there was no power in our house. The pod wasn't delivered. All sorts of stuff. Trees wow. falling everywhere. Yeah, so that was quite the welcome to your new home, huh? Yeah, our old house, the tree in the front yard was like completely gone. So mm. glad we're out of there. Good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the one tree in my yard is, it's, I don't know yet. I don't know if it's a goner or if it'll be able to sal be salvaged. It will be ugly for a long time if we salvage it because, like, every branch that grows leaves will be gone. Ugly's in the eye of the yeah. beholder. That's true. That we is still, true. We still got plenty of trees. Here, I'll show you my back. Oh, gee, thanks, Kyle. My, back, my backyard here. Yeah, thanks for showing all our mean? listeners. Yeah, your power <laughs> and your nice trees. Yeah, I mean, the heat, uh, I'm getting kind of warm in here, actually. I need to turn oh, the heat off. Wow, what an inconvenience. <laughs> what Crack an inconvenience. a window. <laughs> Crack a window, huh? <clears throat> well, this was after moving in the freezing rain, though, Kyler, and wearing the same clothes for three days because all of my clothes were supposed to be in a go bag that 
got put on the pod instead. Mm. And so that's why you don't get your friends to just come and start throwing throwing things. Yeah, that's my cat. That's what, <laughs> that's what I had to go get out of the garage. You left your cat, <laughs> the cat? in the pod? <laughs> oh. No, she, <laughs> She's just she ran out into the, the garage. Oh, that's awesome. She's have, we not, have we not talked about Winnie on this podcast? Winnie, no. Well, I think back when you were in the garage, Look we did. <laughs> yeah. Winnie. She's just having a good time, she said. Hmm? I remember we've <laughs> talked, maybe this is years ago, I remember we talked about the cat fell on your, was asleep and fell on you. Like at night or something yeah, like that? she used to sleep on the windowsill above our bed, and <laughs> she fell on my face, and it looked like I had gotten into a fight. She freaked <laughs> out, probably. Because oh. she, like, tried to start running when she landed on my yeah, face. Of and course. It was <clears throat> That'll mess you up. That's fine. But yeah, I had the same, the same clothes on for three days, wet socks, because... Um, really yeah, some, someone who was helping us move saw our go bag and was like, oh, this probably should go on... And well, it didn't, didn't go back. Didn't, like, has all of our, like, in case of something we didn't get to move, we would have some stuff to change into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Socks, underwear, toothbrush. Yeah. The different pants. But deodorant, <laughs> that was a big one. Well, thank you for um, thank you for suffering for Jesus and being persecuted this yeah. week. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> suffered so that I could get this nice house, yeah. which is exactly what being a Christian is all about. In America, especially. So um, it's been a challenging it's a big, week. big house it's with, with lots, lots and lots of room. Of room. Huh? Is there a big table? There is a big table. Lots of Not food. M- so much food, you. <laughs> Not so much food yet. <laughs> Y'all should have just done the podcast over here. Well, thanks for the invite now just, that we're yeah, recording. Kyle, wow. <laughs> this is the first we've you heard never, of that. I didn't know y'all were all suffering. <laughs> I mean, I'm not suffering. I'm just not having a good time. It's just been a week. I'm extremely you know? inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> Inst- convenience. Convenience. Yeah. And that's you know that's being an American Christian. We we suffer for. I've our been off work all week. It's like a vacation for me. Well, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> well, uh, for our listeners out there, if you've had to uh, if you've had to deal with the struggles, especially if you're here in Oklahoma, uh, we hope that things are being restored for you, and uh, it's been a good week. And for our listeners elsewhere, I was looking at some of our podcast demos uh, this week, and we actually have some listeners in Australia. So, hello, you- how are you guys doing? Perfect. Oh, uh, wow, what is that? <laughs> thank you guys for, for listening. Hopefully you're, to say, uh, you're surviving. Put another shrimp on my barbie. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're trying not to be offensive, Kyle. <laughs> you, oh, you were trying not to be offensive with that accent? I said Australian. Failed. Don't even talk to me about it. There, there we go. But um, if you are listening, exactly the same as mine. And if the weather's been great for you, we hope you're doing well. Stay COVID safe and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but stay um, COVID safe. Let's just uh, move on. Let's talk about some good things. We've got a top three uh, to to deal with. Um, top three, everybody. Where's our theme music? Top three. Stop! No! 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 Where did you get the harmonica? Did you buy that within the last uh, week? How about you this harmonica, harmonica set that I've, that I've owned for several years? Where's your harmonica, Kyler? It's my office harmonica. It's in my office. <laughs> <Okay>. You need <laughs> G? It's G. C. Need B flat? Uh-huh. B flat. Mm. I like that B flat. <laughs> it's a C harmonica. I'm, I'm missing... Well, you, you've got C. C, I let my kids use C, and it's not going back in this case because... Because you let your kids you've use it. <laughs> if, if you've ever seen a kid blow on a harmonica, <laughs> <No. it's> just <laughs> cool. 
Uh, well, all right. So top three today, I want to bring the question, and uh, I thought I thought a lot about this last night as I was uh, entering into the dream world. So here's my top three question, and I want you. Whoa. Were you like in an opium opium den? I'm not gonna or? dignify that with an answer. So um, here's my question: top three animated Disney movie songs. So, and I, I stress animated, so it doesn't have to be cartoon. It can be like the computer animated ones, um, Pixar, since Disney owns them. Um, so, top three Disney animated movie songs. Who wants to go first? Hmm, I've only got two, so I can't go I've yet. I've only got one. I've got two. Can you all hear babies crying in the background? Is that what that was? I thought it was a door opening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's several children crying. I have so many. Um, um, see, this is how I felt talking about actors. I almost said your top three least favorite actors, but I thought, oh, eh, man. we better not, we better not roast Robert people. <laughs> 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 All right, oh. so top three, Robert top three, top three, top three Disney animated movie songs. Okay, I'll go. These are just off the top of my head, so I'm sure if I think about it, I'll feel different. But one, um. Part of your world, The Little Mermaid. Okay, that's a good one. Two. Four. I'm so torn. Do you want to build a snowman? Frozen. Okay. Three. Zero to hero, Hercules. Ooh, zero to hero is. That whole soundtrack. Very good. good So good. So. All right, I've got mine. Kyle, go. Um, Number three would be A Whole New World, Aladdin. I just like the beginning, the verse. I could show you the world. Love it. Uh, number two, you got a friend in me. Uh, yeah. Um, see that? that yeah. I, any, I'm not gonna really lie. That anything, one is on my list. Ooh, yeah, that, that was one on my is list. on my list. Anything by like Randy Newman could just. Have you ever seen the Family Guy episode where they it's the apocalypse and they find Randy Newman and he's just singing everything that Peter does? And it's like, oh, you're picking up the apple. You're gonna eat the apple. And like, anyways, yeah. Randy Newman could do that for me, and I would be so. Yeah, so he's happy. good. You should really go listen to his so, uh, 70s protest songs as well. They're, it's so unique. <laughs> They're pretty um, amazing. Uh, number one for me is Lost in the Woods. That is my jam. What movie is that in? Love it. Frozen 2. Frozen 2. Okay. Oh, with Kristoff? Yeah, Jason hasn't yeah, seen I Frozen haven't seen 2 it. yet. Yeah. yeah, we play that one on the piano at my house on the reg and sing it as loud as we can. Well, very good. Very good. All right. Movie. Uh, but... I would like to add an honorable mention. Okay. Um, we'll allow it. I can't even think of the name. Phil Collins, Tarzan. What's the one? Is Which it, one? Yeah. Is it? That was going to be I'm my whole list. Kyle. Star- Look through my, I thought, Kyle, I thought that would have been your whole list. So which I, one I, is I totally it, forgot about that movie. Which erase, one? Is erase any of the ones Which I said. Which one am I thinking? We're doing um, Look Through My Eyes. Um, take a look, take a look through no, next my one. eyes. Uh, You'll um, be in my you'll heart. You'll be in next my one. heart. Next one. Next. Let's go through the um, whole soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only two I remember. The, the other, I don't I, like I think the fast I know which ones. one you're talking about. It's, it's, but, um, is it, it's, it's a I think fast it's like, one, isn't it? A friend like me or something. Um, Strangers, oh, like me. Aladdin. Strangers, Strangers like, like me. me. Strangers yeah. like me. Strangers like me. Strangers like me. That's an honorable mention. Honorable mention. Right. That, yeah. that whole Phil Collins soundtrack is baller. Yeah. That's what, I can't believe you didn't pick one, Kyle. Really. really I forgot about Tarzan. So My kids don't, they're afraid to watch it. So I forgot <laughs> well, it existed. In all honesty, I didn't watch Tarzan until I was in my 30s. So it was, uh, it came out a little bit after my, my prime 
Disney cartoon time. So, Chris, what's your top three? I mean, my top three, honestly, could have been all Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll go with Strangers Like Me. That was going to be on my list. And then I can't remember the how it goes, but it's it's also on Tarzan when all the monkeys are like banging on so like yeah yeah that song I forget I forgot what it's called but it's it's always a banger and then number one is gonna be uh you got a friend in me okay that's good those are good ones uh so mine you got a friend in me just like that it's actually there's a little more uh sinus inflection in that okay here it is you got a that's better much better. Uh, we don't want Disney Pixar to come after us. That's all we can sing. So, um, so my top three. You've got a friend in me. Uh, it comes in there, and then uh, Circle of Life, Lion King. Oh, uh, I just think that's mm. a good one. And then my all-time favorite Disney cartoon song is "Not in Nottingham" in Robin Hood. So it's an older one. Ugh. It's a very depressing song, but that's why I like it so much. Mm. Um, and if you want a good cover, the Watkins Family Hour has a great cover of that song. Um, anyway so that's my top three there we go the weezer cover of lost in the woods oh my goodness so good <laughs> i'll have to listen to that one no you need to watch frozen 2 just in general well, I'll, I'll i'll make it i'll put it on my no, list. frozen 2 is garbage the soundtrack is no great, it is though. It, i mean it's not the best but watch it they I, within the first 15 minutes of the movie they tell you everything that's gonna happen they, they foreshadow the but whole, their audience the is a six-year-old so well, that's good um, um well, go ahead. Yeah, Kyle. I mean, we could, we could. I mean, I could give a hot take on Indina Menzel. Come on, I <laughs> no, hold on. don't hold roast on. her. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's save, let's save it. Let's have a. I've been thinking what to do, like in the November, December range <laughs> in this podcast when people are busy. Let's just we'll have a couple roast episodes during that don't time. Don't roast so. Indina. She's. Well, really I just like. <laughs> okay, let me. Hey, I won't she was roast great her. I'll in say. Uncut Gems, that Adam Sandler movie. I'll say that for sure. I will say eighty percent of the time, I do not like it when she sings. There, however, on Frozen Two, that song where she's riding the water spirit—I can't remember the name of the song. Um, um, show yourself. <laughs> that song at the beginning is actually pretty good. It's Until good. it's just like she can't jump an octave without shouting at the top of her lungs. I don't and it, it, yeah. Well, it's anyways. Well, I do like her Geico commercial. Yeah, <laughs> well, I haven't seen it. Uh, where she's singing for a tax attorney. People just, man, they just yeah. drag her through and the she mud. says taxidermy. Yeah. <laughs> she read that wrong. Um, but, hey, uh, Adina, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. So we, we Yeah, come on. Indina. I don't want to come yes. at you too hard. Indina Eisel Mayhem. <laughs> yes, just, just, just ignore all the things I've been saying on Reddit about you. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Uh, well, uh, I do have something I want to talk to you guys about after uh, the interview, but we need to hop to our interview. We have a, a great one lined up uh, with Matt Lombardi and Rachel Baird. They work for the company Share, uh, which is a company that that serves to connect churches with freelance creatives to uh, get work done. So um, we talk about their company a little bit, but then we also spend quite a bit of time talking about what uh, creativity in the church might look like, and especially from a job performance side uh, in a COVID and post-COVID world so um i thought it was super interesting kyler what'd you think yeah they were great really awesome people they have some great stuff to say so yeah so take notes maybe take notes <laughs> i didn't mean that like take notes but like get out a piece of paper <laughs> and take notes <laughs> so uh, but hey let's just get right to it here's our interview with matt and rachel 
Well, Matt and Rachel, thank you so much for taking time to, to join us on the podcast. Uh, just so we get started, can each of you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at, and what you're doing? Yeah, thanks so much for having us. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here. Um, love the show. And so, uh, yeah. So my name is Matt Lombardi. I am uh, based out of Yakima, Washington. So the exact opposite of what everyone thinks of when they think of the Pacific Northwest, instead of being like liberal and rainy, it is like conservative and dry as a bone. It's a desert here. Uh, so yeah, so based out of Yakima, Washington, wife and kids live up here. And uh, yeah, I'm the founder of a startup called Share that is trying to help churches connect with freelance talent. Also, though, I am a uh, kind of a minister like as well. So half my time is the startup and then half my time is working as a pastor of digital innovation for a church in Texas, uh, First Baptist Church of Wimberley, just outside of Austin. So, yeah, that's kind of basics on me. So I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home and now I'm married to an associate pastor of a bilingual Brazilian church. Wow. And I have a background in counseling, but I've been a virtual assistant with Belay for the last three years. And I'm a bilingual singer-songwriter author, and I've been working with Matt on Share since March. And I'm really pumped to be here talking about creative things. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're, yes, I feel like we need wow. to have a spinoff podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Just about her backstory. <laughs> it's amazing. This might be the most interesting because Yakima really got me. I said, whoa, Yakima. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you guys know Yakima at all, or is it just like that's a weird place? I, I feel like I've tell heard. By the name. Has it been in a song or something? I don't know. I feel like I've heard I, the name, but I know nothing so about it. So jokingly, um, we always we always mess around. So Yakima has this huge sign whenever you get into town that says "Welcome to Yakima, the Palm Springs of Washington," <laughs> which we always oh joke gosh. like if your claim to fame is that you're like another town that also is a secondary town that says something about your town. So, that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, it's not probably a song. Famous. We can write it. I'm just yeah, we, saying. We there are some creatives out there. You should definitely come to Yakima and be inspired to write. Probably a very gritty, <laughs> gritty song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys find yourselves um, just serving in the church in the creative world? How did that come about? Yeah, so my background, um, when I was 18 years old, uh, I was volunteer serving as kind of a creative director at a church plant when I was uh, first, like freshman year in college. And I'd been a I'd been playing music for a while, so I played in a band and was kind of a songwriter and had been doing some graphic design work and had a background in, in video kind of production that I'd done a lot in high school and was kind of majoring that in college. So Church Plant kind of tapped me for that. Um, and that was kind of my baptism by fire into working for ministries in a creative capacity. Uh, we went through a period where three of the founding four kind of staff members of that church left in a two month period. Uh, and so I got the call up to the big leagues, as they said, and they said, Hey, uh, so you know about as much about what's going on here as anyone else. So now you're an elder at 18. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of my intro into creative and kind of church ministry. Uh, so yeah. What about you, Rachel? Yeah, so I stepped into worship in the Messianic Synagogue that we served in in Sacramento because the leader, the leader's father had passed away, who was the rabbi, and then he was the worship leader and the um, preacher, and he thought that was much. So I started, um, I started just backing him up, and then eventually I had my own team. And then when I moved here, I started doing worship with my sister-in-law, and I oversee the tech team because I'm good at delegating, which means telling people what to do when yes. you don't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Not bossy. Delegating. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100% delegation. That's awesome. But, and what does that look like, that delegation look like uh, right now for that team? 
Um, well, two of our deacons work in tech roles that they've tried to explain to me, and I literally don't know what it is that they do. So it means um, they come to me with a problem, and then I give them full authorization to go fix that problem, and then they fix it, and then I say, good job. I want your job. I I mean, I I also have to go tell them when the pastor doesn't like something Mm -hmm. or explain it to them in a way that makes sense because the pastor will just be like, well, the sound is bad. And I'll be like, so you know the mic that we tried out, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's... Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, you know, kind of taking into stock the things you guys have learned over the the years, um, uh, how in your opinion, or how have you seen ministries using creatives in the church today? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, one of the first things that came to mind, and I don't know why, and maybe this isn't all that helpful, but, um, I think there's something awesome about like both Rachel and I have this story I know, and so many creatives have this where you kind of get called into the creative space, um, when maybe you're not quite ready for it, right? Like you don't go to graphic design school and you become like this professional designer or professional videographer. And then eventually a church taps you and is like, Hey, you're already great at this. We come do it. Yeah. Right. Like the church and ministries tend to tap on us as creatives when we don't feel ready. Um, and it's actually this beautiful training ground that I think is actually a unique cultural um, kind of touch point that the church has for creatives, which is like being this incubator for creative talent. I mean, I cannot tell you, you think of people like, I can think of people like Whitney Houston, right? Who grew up singing in the church, mm-hmm. right? You, you hear so many stories of musicians who it's like, well, where'd you get your start? Well, I, I was able to sing in the church for the first time when I was 14 or 15. And I, that's where I got my start. And I think it's easy for us sometimes to, to think of like, oh, well, you know, we're just relying on volunteers and like, Oh, the, like ministry is really just kind of like, well, whoever will show up and, and volunteer for creative stuff. But I think if we shift our mindset as ministries to say, no, we have this beautiful opportunity in our culture to be an incubator for creative talent and to be the place where we train that up and allow people to express those gifts that really there's no other cultural place where that talent can be expressed well uh, and in a safe grace environment that we all need early on as creatives. Um, that's, I, I think that's a way that ministries can use creatives really well, or I've seen them do it really well. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful or not, that's just one kind of way that I've seen it. It always be a great, great way to, to work in a kind of a creative space. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Rachel, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I've been, I've thought about this too, kind of like what Matt said. I don't think that people realize how much creative work goes into the church now, Mm -hmm. because I mean, like when I grew up, it was in an Orthodox synagogue, which is very similar to how a lot of people grew up in the church. Like 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. you sang songs, there were no instruments, there was no mics, and there was a dude in the front and he would tell people to do things and they would do them. And there wasn't a screen. And now it's like, even our church, which is tiny, like, I'm doing PowerPoints and I pick out pictures on Unsplash and I make them pretty and I color coordinate them with the little eyedropper so it looks nice. And then there's videos that are being done and there's set design, which people completely take for granted, but I have the Facebook group threads to prove that there's a ton of thought that goes into how that's done. And, you know, the tech team is sitting there creatively placing foam on the wall so that we have good acoustics. Like, there's so much creative work that goes into the church experience now. So your entire experience in church now is actually built by creatives. And the pastor is definitely heading the team. And he's the one bringing the word, which is the meat. And that's why we're there. But people 
have an expectation now from the postcard that you get in the mail that was created by a graphic designer to the website that you go on to and you sign up for your first visit. Like you get there and finally you hear the pastor who used to be pretty much the entire experience of church plus the choir director. And now creatives are responsible for almost the entire experience of church Mm -hmm. right up to the pastor. And then they're even taking what the pastor says and they're making the graphics and the videos Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're amplifying the message that, you know, if you weren't like my husband's an auditory listener, so he likes listening. I like seeing. So now people have so much more immersive experiences about what the pastor is saying because of creatives. So what Matt's saying is totally true. Like it's just, we don't even realize how much of an impact we're having on the creative space in the church because everybody's starting there and then they're going out from there. And I think it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost easier to figure out what areas of the church are not being or don't have <laughs> yeah. creatives as having an input than it is to figure out which ones do because it's it's so pervasive everywhere in, in a beautiful way. Uh, yeah, I love that, Rachel. I think it's it's critical. Yeah, it's good. And it kind of made me want to uh, circle back on Matt. Um, so like the role you play at the church in Texas, it's, yeah. it's yeah. digital innovation, it's digital yeah. ministry. What What is that? Because, you know, you think about, you know, for right. 99% of churches, probably three years ago, that wouldn't even exist, period. Yeah. You know, yeah. so what does that look it's- like for you? It's a role we literally made up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it, it really is a hybrid though. So it's one part um, it's one part communications, uh, which includes visual communication through branding, design, mm-hmm. uh, social media, all that kind of stuff. That where we're kind of visually expressing things, um, but it is also it has a marketing component to it because we think that digital marketing is going to be significant for the church going forward. Figuring out, hey, how do we take someone who watched our service online? and make them a fully devoted following disciple of Jesus through these methods of, you know, almost marketing communication. So emails and content and um, yeah, all the different funnels that we put together. So it's kind of a hybrid of communications mm-hmm. and marketing, but also uh, kind of data and analytics uh, because we also know that with tech kind of increasingly becoming part of all of our lives, uh, there's a lot we can learn by leveraging data in a really thoughtful way. And so it really is kind of a blend of everything that goes into, um, yeah, digital innovation and figuring out how do we how do we reach people far from Jesus uh, with this message, but it does include a ton of the creative element too. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's definitely the world we, we live in now. Yeah, that's a really good, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I know a lot of the questions I've been coming up during COVID have been like, okay, we can get people to watch our services, but how do we continue to disciple yeah. them um, through online? So that's really, really cool. But um, in your areas where you guys are serving and all that stuff and working, have you seen the need since COVID-19 grow um, in the creative, in your creative areas? Yes, uh, times a million. Um, yeah. Every creative pastor I know, every communications pastor, because oftentimes those have a lot of overlap. Um, I mean, we we all know it, right? Like everyone's freaking out about, hey, what, is, what does the future mean? What What's next for us? And most of my creative friends are like, dude, I don't even have time to think about that. We're so overloaded yeah. with work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like we're just cranking out more content left and right. We're so overloaded with hey, we need another video for this because now everything's online. And when you're online, you have to produce that content. And who produces those content? Mm-hmm. Creatives. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think COVID has completely amplified the need for churches to have an incredibly strong creative team um, in a way that maybe we haven't seen in decades. Mm-hmm. I, I think churches have just realized for the first time, pastors who before thought, oh yeah, we should do some social media stuff, which includes graphics and writing and all the things that go with that. 
now realize, oh no, it's not just a nice thing to have. It's mission critical to reach yeah. people. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say the, the role of the creative has become not just like amplified, but it's almost front and center. It's become the most valuable part of your team. I mean, churches could do without a lot of staff members, but the one person they can't do without during COVID is their video producer or their graphic designer. You know, mm-hmm. um, those things are mission critical now. Yeah. That's and and I was talking to a, a person who's on at a rather large church. They have a large creative team, but we were even talking about, um, it'll be interesting in, in this COVID world or post COVID, how even the, the online focus may require its own team you know, to, because it's still different than the in-house production and, you know, doing live services and stuff like that. And how, you know, for churches that it kind of a one person, you know, media team, I mean, they're, they're the potential workload for them could quadruple, you know, if, if this online world keeps, keeps growing, like it probably will, you know? Well, and it's a unique challenge too, because I've talked to a few churches, which I mean, praise God for the technology of this, but I also feel for the, for the one man band show, Mm -hmm. because they're sitting there going, Hey, we used to only reach like 300 people in person. And now we have like 1500 people watching our live stream and they're realizing they're reaching so many more people, which puts more stress on their team because now they're really producing content for a much bigger audience. Yeah. They're in some ways punching above their weight class, if you will. And so that stress is even more amplified. Yeah. Rachel, do you have anything you'd like to add or thoughts? Yeah, no, we, I mean, like we were in a conference yesterday for um, Stadia church planting and people were talking about the idea that when you're streaming now, you're streaming on like Facebook, YouTube and church online and like maybe some other platform and all of those have their own chat windows. Mm -hmm. So now you, people are literally considering, well, maybe we need to have a Facebook pastor because people need Mm -hmm. actual engagement who are asking for prayer and they have specific stuff that you need to know how to do on their platform. That's different than YouTube. And I mean, like even six months ago, if you floated the idea of a Facebook pastor, they'd be like, how much money do you guys think this congregation has? Like what kind of positions are you people coming up with? But now it's necessary, you know, like our church is tiny and we have a minimum of a hundred people watching at any given time when we stream and sometimes they're in the chat and you know, what if someone comes in your chat and they need help? Mm -hmm. So all of that stuff that even creatives were responsible for, you know, I don't even know if you could call Facebook creative. I think most of us (laughs) are like, I'll make the graphics and you sit on the Facebook. Like, I don't want to be on the Facebook. I'll just make you the stuff to put on it, Mm -hmm. but it's (laughs) necessary. And it's a space that creatives get immediately pushed through. Cause it's like, Hey, you know how to do this. So go handle the more people that we actually have watching than who are even in our building who are over there. Mm -hmm. So it's really opening things up. Yeah, it's it's a unique opportunity for the church, and then you know when you when you even go deeper into like church creativity, you know there's so much um, so much opportunity out there. And for for you guys, what you've seen maybe in your your local churches or uh, just just globally, um, have you seen any cool ways that churches are being innovative during this time that you could maybe see like moving forward? This could be a direction, uh, creatively speaking. Yeah, I mean. I don't know how create how, uh, how how we want to draw the lines on creative, and this is probably a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day, right? Is like what's <laughs> what is like artistically creative and what is strategically creative. Yeah. I always try to make that yeah. differentiation because I think both are creative. Mm-hmm. It's just those of us who consider ourselves creative sometimes don't like consider ourselves strategically creative. We just consider ourselves like artistically creative. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But one one thing I've I've seen that is more on that strategic creative side that's been really exciting is just. Uh, the opportunity that churches are finding for new touch points with their people throughout the week. Um, so we, something we learned yesterday in this conference we were at, 
was a suggestion that, hey, we actually send a text message to all of our parents every day with a suggested bedtime prayer, wow. right? Or like once a week, we'll send out a text to our parents that has uh, family dinner conversation ideas to have meaningful conversations with their kids. That's an incredibly creative idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and something that can be really impactful for the families out there. And yet that's something that we would have never done if COVID didn't happen. Yeah. That's something we would have never done if we weren't in this whole new kind of reality where we have to figure out a way to engage throughout the week. Um, so yeah, that, that would be, I mean, that's just one really practical concrete thing that we I've heard recently that I love. Um, Rachel, this is one where I'll punt a little more to you if you have, have more, uh, <laughs> more wisdom here. Um, yeah, no, I was thinking about this question actually, because I, what I've seen is that the church is as creative as they allow their well-taught creatives to be. Mm -hmm. So it's the church's job to educate the creatives in doctrine and make sure that they're discipled and they're firm. So we don't get what my sister and I call, you know, avocado worship, or it's like, what are we even talking about right now? I'm not sure where Jesus is in this, mm -hmm. but if your creatives are well-taught and you just let them loose, which is more of what we're seeing now, people are coming up with really creative things in, you know, their videos. I'm seeing a lot more skit videos than I used to see, which like, there are lots of people who are not going to watch your sermon clip, but if you make a funny video, they'll be like, what is this about? And then mm -hmm. at the end you realize, oh, this is a church. This is about the Bible. That was so funny. So, you know, maybe people wouldn't consider that creative, but I'm like, it's, it's pretty creative. You know, we think yeah. of like Matt was saying more artistic expressions. And I think too, that it's interesting, even before COVID, like I've been watching the season chosen and not just watching the show, but watching the evolution of how they're putting it together. Mm -hmm. And it's totally crowdsourced. And the guy is a creative who's calling up his other creative friends in churches who are serving in churches. And the actors, most of them are Christians. I think actually all of them are Christians. And he's just like, I want to make this show and we're not going to have the money to do it unless we crowdsource. Mm -hmm. And then they're putting out content about it. And it's a really interesting model to follow because the churches, that's basically what churches do. Churches crowdsource to put together the content, which is about Jesus that they want to put out into the world. And then now we're creating behind the scenes content. That's what I want to see. I want to see behind the scenes of the church. I want to see more of that. Like, let's give more shout outs to the tech team. Like where's following the tech guy while he's setting everything up. Just, I think there's going to be a lot more um, expansion in what we see in the everyday life of the church, like what Matt was talking about, like, what are you doing at home? And how is that affecting your everyday life? Not just the produced worship video content, but I think the creatives are going to get a lot more clearance to put things out into the world about behind the scenes than they would have previously, because we need so much content now. Well, that's good. And, and I have one, one follow-up question that I want you guys' opinion on that, that may feel a little bit like pushback. Um, and that is with all this in mind, you know, creatives working nonstop and the, the more content and all this stuff being produced, how do we prevent these creatives from just having total burnout by the end of the year, by the time we get through Christmas this year? Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, Absolutely. how do we, how do we set boundaries of like, yes, we need to produce yep. all this content, but we also need to protect the people who are producing it. Yes, absolutely. So one of the, the key ways I think can be really helpful is 
that, and, and this is one of the reasons why I love the role that I have uh, with our church is, is I do think things need to be measured. Um, there needs to be almost a, a call it scientific approach the way we do content that we're not doing right now. I hear a lot of churches. Oh, we just need it more, 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 more. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you don't need to be more. You, you need to do impactful. So you need to be measuring. Like if, if you're going to spend five hours of creatives time in the week to only get 30 people watch it at a church of 5,000, that's a fail. Yeah. Like that is cut that immediately. That is a waste of everyone's time. Stop. Um, if you are going to do something that's like, Hey, this is a quick Facebook video that the pastor just did a Facebook live with his iPhone. Didn't create any, or didn't create any new work. And we had like 4,000 people watch it. Okay. That's a win. Like mm-hmm. go on those, but you have to be measuring that and tracking that, right? You have to actually be thoughtful about what's having the most impact because you can't do everything. I've heard a lot of churches say things like, well, we want to be the Netflix of Christianity or like we want, and like I roll my time because I'm like, stop. Like you don't, you really don't. It, it, sidebar tangent, if I may, you don't want Netflix of Christianity because the thing that people forget is only one or two people win that game. Yeah. That's a zero sum game. There are not 30 Netflixes, there are one. Yeah. And so if you're a local church, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to see one or two churches that do it the best that get all the people watching. We don't want that. We want it to be, Hey, this is our unique spin on it. This is our church for our people. Uh, and we have to set boundaries for our creatives and say, okay, this is how much we need. Um, and then also, uh, I would say you can't, you gotta have a broader strategy that if you want more engagement, you're going to have to hire more staff and, and, and just know what's the load that a person can bear. Be intentional about giving your creatives rest. The one thing I've learned is I don't actually come up with creative thoughts very well when I'm working 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Shocker. You know, like I need a lot of rest time to actually be creative. And so um, it may be to use almost like a baseball term, it may be putting your creatives on a pitch count and saying, no, nah, we need you for like 30 hours of like actual work, task work a week. And then we need you 10 hours just to go read or paint or play music or do whatever it is that you love. That's just, that's a lot of word vomit thoughts on it. <laughs> Oh, that's a noble idea. Would you like to take 10 hours? And I would love to take you, 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's a good idea. It may not work so much in practice. No, I mean, it, it, it is a great idea that I think there is room in practice. I, I'm sure a lot of creatives are, are listening to this and they're kind of just, you know, rolling their eyes right now because they're like, well, yeah, but our pastor doesn't, like, right, they right. don't get that. And, you know, which that's yeah. a whole nother podcast as well as how you communicate right. that. How you convince to your, your pastor. Yeah. But, you know, whoever's right. listening keep the faith, you know, Your 10 hours keep the faith. There, there are pastors out there that can do it. Yeah. And set, you know, figure out ways to set those boundaries. So, right. Yeah. Um, so you both work for, sh- I'm going to say it wrong. Sh- share. 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 Just world? sharing is caring. <laughs> you guys said it earlier. Thank you, Matt, for share. finally embracing Sherry. that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you both work for yeah. share. So what is the story behind, yeah. um, share? Yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of it came about, like we were talking about Yakima, right? So about two and a half years ago, uh, my wife and I moved out to Yakima, Washington for her role. Um, and so I was, you know, in a small town, kind of hard to find a, a job working for a church, uh, at least one that kind of fit culturally and theologically. And so I started doing a lot of um, digital strategy, creative work for churches remote, right? So graphic design work, uh, video production, social media management, Facebook ad campaigns, all the things that we think of with that space. Um, and I quickly realized that there was a struggle for a lot of churches and ministries, which is they didn't really have the capacity to pay like top dollar for someone full time, but they still needed a lot of this stuff done. And so I had a lot of friends who did the work uh, in that space and just knew a lot of creatives from my time in ministry. Um, and I was constantly kind of having churches say, hey, do you know someone who does this or do you have someone who does that? And I was kind of full up on my time. Um, so I figured, well, 
I know things like Fiverr and Upwork exist, mm-hmm. you know, places where you can go find like freelance talent for things. But why has no one made something that is specific for ministry? Because I was sick of having to explain to a web designer why we needed an entire page for a sermon series. And this is what a sermon series is. And like, mm-hmm. here's why we need a, a sermon player or explain to, you know, a content you know, creator who's doing graphic design, why we need a new sermon slide for every single week. And, and so I figured, well, what if we started a platform that was like Fiverr Upwork just for churches where all the creative talent were people who knew, knew the church, knew ministry, were believers, shared a similar value set, but were super talented and where any church could kind of find ministry talent on demand, right? When they need it, they don't have to tie themselves to a long term contract. But those seasons of ministries where things are crazy or hectic. So mm-hmm. uh, to our point, like last question, how do, how do you avoid burnout? Well, what if you could hire someone to help you with some of the heavy lifting for five hours a week? And it's not going to break your budget. It's just going to be something that allows you more flexibility to focus on big picture stuff. So that's kind of how it was born. Well, that's great. It's yeah. such a good idea. Rachel, do you have anything to add to that? I wasn't there for the actual genesis of the idea. <laughs> I, I, came on bar, I came on board in March. So Okay, awesome. Well, awesome. Well, you know, so kind of talk through that, how how this is a useful tool for uh, creatives on both sides. So maybe they're in the church and they need help, or maybe they're freelancers trying to get, get more opportunities to serve the church. Um, so let's start on kind of the church side, because that's, I think for me, I mean, even in my role uh, with this church in Texas, we actually use freelancers on share all the time. So to use like probably an inappropriate drug term, like we get high on our own supply. Mm. Um, but it's like, we figured out that as like, we don't have the creative talent necessarily in-house that we would like to have. But, um, you know, I was, I was having a lot of struggle because, you know, I was trying to do sermon series graphics, for example. It's like super practical, right? Um, but I realized like those take a lot of time and thought and effort and like a, a creative ability that like is just beyond me for the quality we wanted. So we just started outsourcing those. So we, we found a great creative. He's a graphic designer. He works for a church in Scottsdale, Arizona. And he now, we hire him to do all of our sermon series graphics and it takes, um, you know, a few hours and they're phenomenal and so much better than what we could have. So for me, it's kind of lifted the burden of just hours in my week. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of, we always say that like, it's better to outsource a task instead of leave it on your to-do list for two months. And, and that's kind of what we figured out. It's like, wow, okay, you may have to pay a little bit to have to outsource it, but it actually gets done. It gets yeah. executed immediately because someone else is doing it. So for us as a church, it's, it's actually just saved a ton of time. Uh, but also by having someone who's an expert, we've actually saved money. So instead of me slogging through and taking seven or eight hours in Photoshop and like ideating and sketching, because I'm not really great at it, guess what? This pro graphic designer who has years and years of experience can get it done in an hour. And so it's just, it's actually way more cost effective if we figure out what I'm, what my hourly yeah. rate is for me to do it for four or five hours. It's actually a lot more cost effective for him to take one hour to do it than it is for me to take five hours to do it. So on the creative or on the church side, that's how we think it can be a huge help. Just really easing some of the financial and just time burden that so many churches have around the creative side. And then if, if you're a, a creative, um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know a ton of churches that like pay amazing uh, for their, their staff. We're always looking for, Hey, you know, it'd be nice to have a little extra money for vacation this year for date night or for savings for our kids. And so the opportunity to do work that both fulfills a calling, right. By, by working and serving other churches um, and also allows you to make some extra income, that kind of side hustle. 
for us was just a no brainer. Um, it's, it's such a beautiful picture of kind of this like acts two model of like the church sharing in all things, right. It's like yeah. literally taking the talent of the global church and making it available for every local church, um, in a huge way. So that, those are kind of the ways that, that we see it benefiting both sides. That's great. That's great. It's such a, such a good tool. Um, how can people become a part of Sheer and as a, whether it's a freelancer or a client, how can they join that? So you go to share.work, which is S-H-A-A-R dot W-O-R-K. And then you put in your email and then on the next screen, you need to remember to select freelancer or church. Cause like all the time people are like, oh my gosh, I'm not a freelancer. I'm really a church. Can you help me? <laughs> so when you get to the next screen, it's going to say freelancer church and you pick which one you are. And then you just put in like a couple details, like your name and the name of your church. And then you're in. And if yeah. you're a freelancer, your profile will go live when it's all filled out, except for, I think your portfolio is the only part that's not yeah. mandatory. So it has, it's kind of like a LinkedIn profile. It's really easy. Mm -hmm. It's like, you got your work history, you got your, um, like your skills that you fill out. There's categories. Um, we have a lot of control over skills and categories. So if you're a freelancer and you do something that we don't have in there, which I highly doubt because I was extremely thorough, but <laughs> you can shoot me an email at rachel at share.work and tell me the crazy thing that you do that I haven't put in there. But I mean, like sculpting is in there, like 3D printing oh, is in there. There's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Anything but you're into is probably on <laughs> I probably got wit. Yeah. So and then um, you fill out your profile. And if you're a church, you go put in your church name, a couple details, you put a project together. If you don't know how to do that, there's literally a button that you can press. And for $29, you can have a chat with me or with Matt or with another member of our team, and we'll help you put together your project. And then you post it. Freelancers give you proposals. They select your proposal and then you're set and you go get a project done. Awesome. Easy peasy. Sounds convenient. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I was thinking. Convenient. Yeah, it's actually, so we, um, we had a, a, this is a church two weeks ago, just like a fun little success story for us. It was a church that went from like, uh, they told us, they're like, we just realized we're really behind on our Christmas series branding. Mm -hmm. And they had that meeting at one o'clock in the afternoon. And by two 30 in the afternoon, they already had seven proposals on share wow. from graphic designers saying, Hey, we can get this done for the next 24 hours. Wow. Um, and all actually under the budget that they thought that it was going to be. That's uh, that's awesome. I, I have one follow up question because um, yeah, I've I've got a little bit of experience with Fiverr and yeah. you know so I'm I'm sure people have have those experiences. Yeah. Like uh, as far as like when freelancers do they price their own project or how do you keep mm -hmm. kind of the pricing competitive and yeah. keep, keep people yeah. from just you know yeah bottom just and going out crazy. On that? <laughs> yeah. So so what we do is. Um, Every freelancer has the option to put what their hourly rate is on okay. their on their site, right, uh, or on their specific profile, so that that's public. They can kind of see, hey, here's my hourly rate. Uh, and then when a church posts a project, they'll put what their budget is um, for the total project, because you can either select a one-time project where you just say, hey, here's my total budget, or an hourly sort of okay. thing, um, where it's, hey, I don't know how long it's going to take, but here's the hourly rate I can pay, and it'll be ongoing. It kind of pays in milestones. Um, so you can select either one if you're a church. And then, so for freelancers, it's just kind of like, Hey, if you see a church on there, you know, and this is the nature of ministry sometimes who says, yeah, we need a brand new website and our budget is $250. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe you're not going to bid on that, right? Like yeah. you're probably, you know, there's nothing mandatory saying you have to bid on it. Um, but most of the time we're trying to do a really good job of educating churches about something we talked about earlier, which is just because someone charges more by the hour does not mean they're more expensive. That mm -hmm. sounds counterintuitive, but it's not. Because oftentimes what you're paying for is the fact that 
they have 15 years of experience and they can get done in 30 minutes what might take a cheaper freelancer three hours to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it really is about figuring out, okay, and that's why the proposals are a big deal because the freelancer will actually tell you how long they think it'll take them to do. So that's pre-agreed upon. And then another cool thing that we do is freelancers can actually set the number of revisions they allow. I've done freelance work and I know yeah. the worst clients in the world are the ones who are like, I don't like it. It's yeah. no good. Okay, well, we didn't set clearly in advance how many times I'm going to fix this for you. So now it's a pain. Well, yeah. with Share, we actually, you bid and part of your proposal is here's how many revisions we allow. And so it may be one, like, hey, one shot, that's it uh, for this price, you know, uh, or it may be, hey, I'm going to do three or four revisions for you just to make sure you're happy. Um, but yeah, we try to make it pretty freelancer friendly. That's half the perk of the fact that we've been both freelancer and church yeah. is we kind of know the pain points of both sides. Yeah, there's nothing better than uh, realizing that the client uh, doesn't have an idea until your third go around of your provisions. Yeah. You know? yeah, absolutely. That's one of the reasons too. We we try to push churches to to set up a scoping call with us so that we can literally walk them through. I can't tell you how many pastors we talk to who we love, but they say things like, "Well, I just need a new website." And I'm like, "Okay, well, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you want that HTML? Do you need that uh, WordPress site? Do you need a Squarespace site?" And and honestly, a lot of lead pastors just don't even know. They're like, I don't know. I just want to look awesome. So we try to walk alongside them and offer that as a value. Say, Hey, for 30 bucks, let's make sure it's going to make the creative life easier. It's going to make the church's life easier. Cause you know, you're going to get something that's an awesome experience as opposed to just flying blind. Yeah. That's a great, a great idea. A great tool. Rachel, is there anything else you wanted to add or? Uh... Yeah, we, um, we built out guides too, which um, like I put them together and then I actually sent them out to some of our freelancers because I'm definitely not an expert in all of the stuff that we offer. And I sent them out and I, one of the things that all of them wrote back and were like, yes, this is amazing. I, all of them have a clause that's like, um, what is, uh, oh my gosh, kitchen sink syndrome. What do we call it? Too many revisions. I can't mm. remember the term for it right now, but um yeah, they all have a clause in there that's like, what does it mean when you ask for too many revisions? And it's like, so right. just to put some expectations out there, I want you guys to understand that you can't ask for 50,000 revisions. Yeah, right. So right. yeah, it just talks about how, you know, we want everyone to have a good relationship. And part of that relationship is understanding that you can't ask for more than what you paid for. And your revisions right. are a standard part of what you paid for. Like yeah. you can't just keep revisioning into oblivion. Right, Yeah. right. That's and good. we actually... We tried to make it to where there's a section where a church has to clearly say what their deliverables are. You know, like you've probably experienced this if you're a freelancer where they're like, well, we, we want this video done. And then like, after you've thought you've completed the product, you're like, oh, no, no, we want it cut into 30 sections, chunks too. And yeah, then like, yeah. we want something that can be formatted for social media and we want you to post that for us. So we actually have it to where, uh, and we clearly state for churches if it's not listed in the deliverables, your freelancer is not responsible for doing it mm -hmm. under the contract. And so, so really what we're trying to do is build a little bit more of a streamlined ecosystem for freelancers and churches to work together in a really clear, like set the expectations up front yeah. way, yeah. as opposed to the murkiness that we've all experienced when we're freelancing, where it's like half the time I want my payment up front, but half the time, like I want it like in segments. And there's just, it's the wild, wild west out there for freelancers working with churches. And we want to bring a lot of clarity and trust to the process. Well, that sounds great. Definitely sounds like you guys have, have put in the effort to make that happen. So um, yeah. it just sounds like a wonderful project. We'll have links to everything in the show notes. Awesome. Um, and uh, before we get out of here, I'd love to hear from both of you all. Um, but uh, do you have any words of encouragement uh, for fellow creatives out there? Keep going. <laughs> 
2020 is weird. Own that. Like, this is not normal. I know everyone's saying, oh, it's a new normal. It may be, but this is the worst it's going to get, I think. Um, God, I pray it's the worst it's going to get. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, yeah, I would just say, say keep going. Um, be intentional about your time um, with the Lord. Be intentional about, I, I know it is difficult to tell your pastor no. Um, and everyone's afraid that, um, that, you know, oh, well, what happens if I tell my pastor I need more time for downtime or rest or anything like that? I know that sounds like a panacea, like, oh yeah, just tell him like, I need an extra 10 hours a week. Um, but I'll say this, if ever there has been a time in your ministry as a creative where you have leverage, it is now. <laughs> uh, so I don't mean that in a bad way, but I do mean that to say like, if you don't protect your own soul, no one else will. And so um, take that seriously. Take take your soul care very seriously as a creative because that is the wellspring where a lot of your creativity comes from. Um, and that may not mean 10 hours a week. That may mean an hour a week. Um, but, but be intentional about protecting your soul in this season. My advice for creatives in the church is that the church needs to hear things through your voice. And it's really easy as a creative to be like, well, but she did this and he did that. And like, that looks really good. And I can't do it like that. And everyone sees God differently and seeing God through someone else's eyes can be a real paradigm shift. It can impact people. So even though we're all works in progress, like nobody has everything figured out, nobody's perfect, just start your journey and start creating for God and get yourself out there and don't be afraid to try new things. And it's okay if it's not perfect. I realize we're working for like a company that's putting things out to churches, but the reality is that creative gets stuck in the perfection wheel and then like we're stuck like little hamsters we can't get out of it but even though the world is flooded with more and more creative angles and more and more stuff you still have something that's worthwhile to say about god and we should put it out there because that's part of our worship We just want to thank Rachel and Matt for joining us on this podcast. Um, man, it was a great conversation, and we hope all you listeners got um, out of it as much as we did. It was great. Great job, Kyler. <laughs> well, Kyler, I thought you just flipped us off. Oh, Pinky's <laughs> up. Do you ever listen to 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars? Put your pinky rings up to the moon. <laughs> Well, on that note, Kyler, <laughs> uh, Bruno Mars is having a great time. Yeah, he's just living. I'm sure he just his bed is piles of money. Wow. Yeah. I doubt that. I mean, it could be if he wanted it to be, though. That's that's probably money. True. Money's dirty. That would be not a that would be gross bed. <laughs> well, Kyler, uh, during your time without electricity, you've you found a new uh, way to pass your time. Yes. So, a night or so ago. We are trying to cope with the coldness, so we went over to one of my friend's apartment, and he taught us how to play Among Us, me and my roommate. And so then a bunch, a group of us, we all showed up, and we were all playing Among Us, which is a like a phone game. It's basically like a mafia, or a, there's a board game. What's it called? Basically, you have to find out who the imposter is, and the imposter's going around killing people, and it's these like weird-looking alien astronaut things. I didn't realize it was a phone game, so... Wait, what are your uh, students playing it on? <laughs> yeah, a little behind the scenes. We talked about this before, and I said my third graders play it. They just, I don't know what they're playing, but they're calling it Among Us. <laughs> and they talk about the imposter, and they talk about all that, but none of them have phones. But they're, so. so they're just playing it out in real life. They're like role-playing. Yes. 
Okay. So they're LARPing. Yes. They're LARPing. They're using their, <laughs> they're using their imaginations because they because are not addicted maybe to their device. Maybe yet. their older siblings or parents or something yeah. play it, so they know enough about it. Uh, according to yeah, according, yeah, uh, yeah. Never mind. This one girl <laughs> in my class, poor. I mean. Poor girl. She's like, <laughs> like, if you could see the look <laughs> on Kyle's face, he's slightly disturbed. <laughs> I don't know if we should be talking really, about I didn't, this. I didn't have time to do my homework last night because my, I was riding in the car with my mom all night. She was looking for Pokemon. So, mm. um, mm. our generation. So her mom is my age. Yeah. So our generation is ruining the lives of children. Is she so. actually looking for Pokemon, or let's, no? Like, um, like she's still playing so Pokemon Go. Us. Like <laughs> so among us. Um, so why do you? In, so it's kind of like mafia or a game. So it's the whole point is just to try to a stay alive and b figure out who the person. Yeah, is. yeah. I think the board game thing of is resistance. Okay. Have you mm, played yeah. that? Where I, you have not to, as a board game. Though. Okay, but yeah. So you they give you like tasks to do where your little astronaut alien thing is running around and you're on a spaceship. So they're like electricity's out. So you're into the electric room, and you know if somebody's following you. The imposter has the kill button, and they click the kill button, and then you see your body severed in half. And, and then you're done. And then donezo. And so then you can get into the chat room where all the other players, I think it's like 10 players max, and you guys have to decide who you're going to vote for as the imposter. Okay. Okay. So if you're the imposter, it's real funny because, I mean, each player is a different color, so you'll be like, Green was acting very sus, which means suspicious. Mm -hmm. Or if you wanted, like, you oh, have to does. type quick, you just say green sus, and it's like they're suspicious. Yeah. yeah. Green suspended. Green <laughs> suspended. <laughs> well, yeah. well, that sounds interesting. Is it a free game? Oh, yeah, play? it's free. Everybody download it. Um, if you have. It's free, cell service, uh, made by the Chinese government yeah, to track, track every your every move and to understand how you will uh, react in a spaceship mm -hmm. in case people start dying. So. 2022, they're sending us to Mars. Yep, yeah. Elon, Elon and those Chinese uh, Chinese government, they're working together. So speaking of Elon, I see Teslas everywhere. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. making it. Oh, uh, they're so. so awesome. They are great. They look clean. I, there's, there's finally they're, enough competitors though um, that are getting on the market. That'll be interesting to see how Tesla keeps its hold. For sure. Yeah. Hopefully they'll come up like the body style of a Tesla is not my favorite, yeah. but I'm just like the cars are so, it's a clean so great. Cut, though. Yeah. It's so like. Have you guys seen uh, the GMC uh, Hummer electric vehicle? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're they're rebranding yes. re the Hummer, but which I thought, you know, it's actually a good rebrand because the big deal about the yes. Hummer was that it got no gas mileage and was terrible for the environment. Mm. So they and GMC. A, just a bunch of. Never mind. Well, it's, yeah, a bunch of people who would drive it of a certain kind. Where you go in there? Yes. So. <laughs> yep. Shops um, at Whole Foods. Uh. <laughs> so, well, so they're rebranding it as this uh, evolutionary, uh, ecocentric vehicle. So I thought, you know, at least the branding is still like I don't know. Only a certain type of person will probably drive a Hummer. Oh no, that those are that uh, the people who shop at Whole Foods will drive that car. The people mm, who drive the Hummer before. Yeah. Let's uh, not talk about that. Yeah, they were probably just the H two. Like the original Hummers, the people that had the original Hummer, like if you saw someone in your neighborhood with a like a legit Hummer, yeah. like those people were cool. But then like when the H2 came out, it's like there's a certain, it's the, it's the guy, the bully from the first Transformers movie that's being really rude to Shia LaBeouf yep. type of guy yep. that would drive that. Yeah. Yeah. Kyler knows what I'm talking yep. about. Yep. Puka, puka shell necklace. Yeah. <laughs> Spiky uh, hair. Frosted <laughs> <Yeah>. tips. Frosted <laughs> Yeah, my guy. I also I think it was GMC too. They made like it was just like a electric car base, mm -hmm. like 
or like like a semi truck base. So there's no cab or anything. It's just autonomous, and it just looks like a giant skateboard riding. Yeah, on the, <laughs> yeah, because that, that they could load up. Yeah, it would work like a freighter almost. Like you could just put anything, yeah. but then it's like, yeah, it's autonomous in that you direct it where to go, and it supposedly would get there. Yeah, um, yeah, and then there's honestly a, that's a great idea because semi drivers couldn't get any worse at driving. So <laughs> they just know they own the road. They do whatever they want. So, um, but yeah, that's how I felt in my U-Haul that I was driving. We're we're on the uh, just, we're on the precipice of an electric vehicle explosion. I think so. Thank you, Elon, for getting that ball rolling. Thanks, Elon. Your cars yeah. look like fish, but good job but hey they're cool they're cool so, um, we, we need the to get out car of here. in space um, we need to get out of here but I, I wanted to uh, to to talk about uh, Netflix just released a limited series called song exploder which is a live-action version of a podcast that's been around for <laughs> forever for five or six years um, but so the premise of song exploder is this this host he uh, gets with artists and they look at one song and he acquires like their individual tracks and everything. And he'll break down, have them break down how this song was made, how, where the idea for writing it came, how the arrangements happened and all that. Um, so the, the Netflix series has four episodes. There's Alicia Keys, Ty Dollar Sign, um, Lin-Manuel, Moran. Dollar. Oh, excuse it's me. Dollar sign. D-O-L-L-A. I they dollar. even spelled it to help excuse you. Excuse me. Ty Dollar. Dollar. Excuse me. All right, go ahead, Kyler. Mr. Ty Dollar. It's a ha- half dollar, <laughs> Hello, um, Mr. 50 cents. Mr. Dollar, can we please ask you, <laughs> what am I doing now? Tell us about the show. Since so, you're so, into uh, so oh, you keep going. I just watched one episode. Well, then the fourth one was R-E-M. Um, so uh, that's, that's, and I did pronounce that right. Yeah. I know that it's one. It's actually REM. Actually, no, it's it, rim. Well, it is rim, rim, but they go by REM. Good for so, them. Yeah. Um, but uh, rapid eye movement. Yeah. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so they, they break apart these songs. Could be rapid ear and, movement. Uh, Kyler watched the uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda one. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I highly encourage you, if that's if that's your thing at all, check them out. Um, the podcast is great, too. Like, uh, my wife and I were talking, like, she was watching the Miranda one with me, and, and she kind of, they get very excited about their art, mm-hmm. and as I think we're all familiar with. And she is kind of like, I, I just, I don't like when they get so excited because they, they talk about things that, like, I don't care about, you know, like the, the real detail stuff. And I said, but that's rude. <laughs> I said, but that's me. Like, cause I only care about the detail stuff, like how it was made. Um, so if that's, if that's you at all, I highly encourage you to check it out. Um, I, super good. Yeah. Even if you're not into music, I'd encourage you to watch it. Cause the way they describe things, a lot of times artists, I think people get intimidated by it cause they're so like, mm-hmm. Artsy, but the way they explain things are really practical. Yeah, Artsy. and it, you know, it's totally I think where you're at and what type of career you have or or whatever. Because Miranda, you know, it, it took him almost five years to write that song. That's insane. And you know, I think for people who are in the creative world, you kind of even if you've never spent five years working on a project, you kind of understand what it takes, you know, to to make it work. But then you're like, well, even this guy, it took him five years. Um, to come out yeah. with a song that he feels could be his most well-written song. He ever. said, "Maybe, maybe." I maybe. don't believe it. I believe he's got some in the books that are like mind-blowing. Well, that nobody's heard yet. Nobody's heard. And, yeah, and it just shows that like, he's just been like plugging away at it for mm-hmm. like a decade before like we even knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. They and in the in like I remember watching an episode of How I Met Your Mother, which that that ended however many years ago, Mm -hmm. like the whole series. And this was like early on. He's like a a side character on a city bus that does a little bit of rhyming. 
and it was like he was a nobody and you can just know like you can think back of it now like he was just working every single day to try to like do what he loves to do and yeah he didn't really in that episode he taught they they show a clip from him performing at like the white house poet poetry slam Mm -hmm. or something um but he was what what they call it the hamilton he was calling it the hamilton Hamilton mixtape and yeah so it wasn't even you know no one knew who he was he was just known as this you know like like poet you know and he had performed on broadway in other in other shows but um it was just super interesting kind of seeing that journey so and then kyler and i talk about his uh musical arranger and the director of the show they're also interviewed in this one and so it just shows you all the pieces that have to come together um so what were your thoughts on that i just i mean it was insane i was i'm i was speechless because it was so good but um I thought it was cool how he had friends who were better at things than he was. So like the musical arrangements, um, the vocal arrangements that he reached out to, and he would just send them raw demos that he recorded mm-hmm. on voice memos and bars. <laughs> wow. Um, maybe all writers about Manuel Miranda. But yeah, so he would reach out to them and they would they kind of just helped piece everything together and it was crazy. They're yeah. super, super talented. Yeah, and then like I mean, I know people are probably super familiar with him, but the REM one, um, it's they they focus on the song "Losing My Religion." And what's kind of great about that one is they wrote this song like 35 years ago, and so these guys they haven't performed together, toured together in like eight or ten years. So it was great l- having them listen to the tracks and like the drummer, the the host is like, "Well, when did you decide to add this part?" And the drummer's like, "He's listening to it and he's like, oh." Oh, wow. Like, he didn't even remember it. Like, he didn't remember adding that part, and yeah. he had no idea why he added it. Like, he just, he, and, you know, but so, and then for something. Drugs. For some, well, probably. <laughs> for something for all vocalists out there, like Michael Stipe, the lead singer, like, they play the demo tape of him singing, and they ISO it, so it's just his vocal. Mm-hmm. And to watch him react to hearing himself is like that's literally every artist every musician every vocalist it's like when you have to when you're confronted with your own work you just wince you're just like oh yep. like it was great and this guy who's made millions of dollars off his voice still can't stand to hear his own voice yeah. like that's crazy so anyway yeah check it out uh, listen to watch the podcast it. watch it watch it watch it watch it my one my one caveat is anytime I hear song exploder or just anything that says exploder, I think of that old uh, tobacco commercial uh, that is a fake commercial for the soda Splode. I don't know if you. No, I'm sorry. If you not familiar. Oh my goodness! It's uh, you should look it up. Look up Splode so it's like on a YouTube. Anti tobacco uh, campaign is one. Yeah, of those and so they're like, it's like Explode Soda, and so like they're 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 bungee jumping or something, like but like this yeah. soda is like so carbonated and it that it'll just like explode anyways they go to bungee jump and the can just like explodes and it's just it's so ridiculous and it's all i ever think about when i hear the word so watch it it's great watch explode watch it watch explode watch song exploder listen to song exploder there is adult language so be aware um and uh, there aren't many christian there's no adult language in explode there either so uh, just be aware of that. Interesting. <laughs> be aware of we that. We don't know if they're Christians or not. Well, I guess that's true. It's not not my place to judge, I suppose. Um, I did say Christian well. music artist, like as a genre. I did say that. So, uh, <laughs> you know. okay. Music can't be Christian. Uh, there we go. That's well, for another podcast. That is for another podcast. So join us next week when we tackle the question. <laughs> can music be Christian or is music Christian? 
So, um, but hey, uh, Chris, you've been quiet over there uh, this go round. Anything to add? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. You're good, Kyler. Anything? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Mm. I mean, oh my um, goodness, Happy Hallelujah Fest. Happy Holy <laughs> High Holy Day, Reformation <laughs> Day, right? Happy, uh, not the devil's holiday. <laughs> it's not the devil's holiday, no. <laughs> Um, but hey, uh, you're talking about Satan's birthday, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I can. T- let's bleep that out. The dark arts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will be heading to my local church to participate in the Holy Ghost weenie there roast, and so uh, well, enjoy that. Uh, for you listeners, uh, Halloween has come and gone, and we are uh, releasing this the day before Election Day in America. So hopefully, there's something to listen to. Um, yeah. You know, block out the after haters. that day. So block out the haters. Uh, unfollow. Unsubscribe. All that stuff. So there we go. Look at the haters and do some taters. Come on, Kyle. Taters. Taters, potatoes. Man, you potatoes. really, oh my gosh. you really are from the woods. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, Kyler, do you have anything you'd like to add? No. All right, uh, Kyle. Look out the haters. Taters. <laughs> Isn't it catchy? Maybe I'm the next Lynn Manuel. Alligators. Uh, you heard it here first. The next Lynn Mel- Manuel Miranda. Uh, is here on the show, so uh, look out for Kyler Clap, uh, Kai Dalla sign as she Throw used to go back. by. Wow, oh. that was time. All right, well for uh, Chris, producer Chris, Kyler, and Kyle, I'm Jason Evans, and we'll catch you guys next week. Catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs>